Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I am your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 107. Today, we're going to talk about love magic. It's getting to that time of the year where all of the stores are shoving Valentine's Day down our throats, and love magic comes up a lot in my DMs around this time of the year, so I thought I would do an entire episode dedicated to love magic. First, I wanted to shout out to all the new Patreon members. I've had a surge in membership of the Coven, and I want to say thank you so very much for joining our group. I love our Coven group. I love the time that we spend in there, and I appreciate each and every one of you that participate and have subscribed to the Patreon benefits. If you want to join the Coven, go to witchywomanpodcast.com and click on Join the Coven. Okay, that's my shameless plug for um, my livelihood. (laughs) So I totally forgot to do this at the beginning of the episode, so I'm actually recording this after the episode and adding this in. So let's do a card poll and get a little smoke clearing going on. Today I'm using Yerba Santa. Just smells good to me. (laughs) Get a little smoke on my mic. All right got my cards all cleansed um and let's draw some cards i am drawing from the witch's kitchen oracle cards i love this it's got lots of herbs in it so i'm gonna ask what herb is gonna help us get through this week so let's shuffle a little bit i'm gonna cut once Pull my card. Okay, I got mustard. So mustard, I mean, it's in the biblical stories um, for faith and represents, you know, that tiny seed of, of faith being everything. But this can also signify that your lack of belief has taken away a bit of your confidence in your practice. So if you can channel that idea um, of the mustard seed and how it represents faith, it may help you get through this week. You can put it um, in spell bags. You can use it as an amulet. Um, It is a symbol of success and confidence. It is pretty um, pungent. You can, it's got a nice scent to it. Um, You can put it in your dishes to add a little zest to it. It's great for kitchen magic, folk magic, whatever you want to use it in, whatever your path is. You can totally use mustard um, and the mustard seed. So basically it's saying it's time to trust um, you and yourself and your your faith and your path, okay? Um, So hold on to that this week and I hope that you have an amazing week. So let's talk about love magic now. So what what exactly is it? Um, Love magic is the use of spells and rituals to bring love, passion, desire, commitment. Um, It is often a controversial topic and the subject of consent comes up a lot in these decisions and discussions. Um, And we will talk about that. But what I offer you first is a little history lesson on the origins and commonality of love spells throughout our magical past. Um, The desire to have the person you lust after reciprocate those feelings is a powerful emotion and need. And when combined with magic, it can create either chaos or a night you will never forget. Okay, so first let's dive into just a little bit of history. 
Evidence of love magic have been found on cuneiform tablets from the ancient Near East and ancient Egyptian texts and in the Greco-Roman world and in the Middle Ages. The earliest examples of love magic come from the ancient Near East dating to, oh my gosh, 2200 BCE. Cuneiform tablets recounting rituals of erotic magic have been uncovered. I'm going to murder this name, um, but it's used to, it's Iraq, present day Iraq. It used to be called Tel Ingara and Isin, but anyway, it's the present day Iraq. Um, similar rituals ha are found in ancient Egypt, for example, on a piece of pottery dated to the 12th and 11th centuries BCE. That is amazing. So the subject of love for humans is always a prevalent topic, always. One of the eras that I think about when I think about love magic is ancient Greece. There are records of erotic spells to lure love to you in ancient texts like the Greek magical pap papri. I um, hope I'm saying that right. Love magic examples have been found on amulets and other artifacts dating from the 2nd century BC and sometimes earlier to the late 3rd century AD. And what I found really interesting and really love when I was researching that subject is that erotic magic in ancient Greece dismissed modern conceptions about gender roles and sexuality, meaning you love who you love and spells are for everyone and didn't conform to societal standards of, of gender identity um, or roles. So there was ancient Greece spells that were to bring in your same-sex lover. It really didn't matter. But there were some specific magic practiced by men and women. So there they did have some general roles. But it was out of societal, um, how do I want to word this? It was because of society that these two forms of love magic existed. So women practiced a magic called philia. Philia is translated as brotherly love or friendship and is one of the four Greek words for love. Women in ancient Greece were often at the mercy of their husbands and they would be left alone because men were allowed to leave their wives whenever the hell they wanted back then. Um, and women were left alone to fend for themselves and no way to make money. So women used these spells to preserve their beauty and have peace of mind to keep their husbands faithful because um, that was their entire livelihood were their husbands. These spells that they performed weren't for such, were not for such a Jesus, I can't speak today. Thank you, Mercury. <laughs> they were not to for um, sexual gratification, but they were to keep their lives stable and balance the tables of power in their patriarchal society. That's what they were using and using magic for. Now, the opposite type that men used was called eros. Is the is the love magic they used by men that they were? Seriously, I'm gonna start over. <laughs> Eros is the love magic that was used by men and also by prostitutes. Men used Eros to make women fulfill their every sexual desire and for them to be desired by women. I mean, it was it was basically bring me all the good sexual stuff. <laughs> um, the only women that used Eros magic were prostitutes and they used it to gain clients and satisfaction of their clients and satisfaction of for themselves sexually um when when they um 
where in this lifestyle as a prostitute, it created a life outside the patriarchy for them. They lived independently and answered to nobody. And they were most generally, um, it was okay for them to be seen with one or more men. So you didn't have to just have one client. So they were using love magic as a means of employment and financial stability for the most part. Um, and I know I mentioned Eros the the eros magic that men use to bring sexual desire and fulfillment to themselves this wasn't exclusively for women um men used eros to make other men lust after them and fulfill their sexual desires as well um if you know anything about greek history it is it is it's a beautiful time as far as that goes (laughs) they didn't um it was okay to love a man to have the sexual pleasures of a man i'm not sure about women loving women. I couldn't find much about that, but I didn't really dive into it a whole lot. So if anybody knows more about that, I would be glad and to hear all about that because, you know, I love that stuff. Um, history is really funny that way. It's funny how we, one culture can really embrace the idea of love is so much more than one word. Like literally Greek had four four words for love to describe the different kinds of love that they had for each other. And other societies are like, no, no, love is for, you know, you have to love your opposite sex. There are rigid gender roles and um, ideals. And I just find it interesting that different cultures vary so, so differently. Okay, totally got off there. (laughs) Got off track. I didn't get off. (laughs) Oh my God, I should delete that, but I won't. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) another era that love magic played an important part in is the Renaissance. So love magic was done in secret back then and not near as common um, or prevalent in society as ancient Greece, but it was done for social purposes in the Renaissance area. So marriage was a huge thing in the Renaissance. You know, you marriages meant your status in society. Okay, that was my my computer saying you need to upgrade or to install some stupid patch or I don't know anyway that's a way now so we're gonna go back to the renaissance area era so love magic it was a way for you to secure social status so what does that mean? <laughs> um, so in this era, Christianity became really prominent um, and made its way into love practices. So it was common for if if you wanted to love or to marry a man out of your status, um, you could do love magic to gain the love and secure a, a bitter, a bigger or higher societal place for yourself. So they, they even found, so this is what I found funny. Um, so in Christianity, they kind of melded love magic into it at this, at this time. So you would find scrolls, poppets, spell candles, and things like that hidden in churches in the Renaissance area era. So love magic was often performed while lighting a religious or holy candle. Um, and both pagan and Christians performed love magic during this time. And I found that really interesting that it kind of, the Christians were like, well, I, I still like this pagan stuff if it benefits me. So I'm going to do it, but in secret, because I don't want anybody to think that I'm a heathen. 
I know there's a lot more times in our in our history as humans that love magic was a big part of, but I'm just hitting on a few because if I talked about them all, this would be like a two-hour episode, um, and I could probably, you know, it would end up like some kind of thesis, <laughs> but I do not want to do that. Um, if you are interested in more um, history and love magic, I can direct you to a lot of different sites that talk about that. So I want to switch uh, gears here and talk about love magic in our entertainment and art. Um, You're going to see a lot of different instances throughout our history that have love spells in like movies and plays and things like that. And one of the most popular earliest example of a love spell in a play was in the beginning of the 17th century with Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. They have a potion, a love potion in there made from the juice of a flower. And I think that's beautiful. (laughs) In 1868, in Little Women, the, the girls in the book, the sisters perform a play called The Witch's Curse, an operatic tragedy that includes a love potion in it. So seeing love magic in early pop culture is something that has seemed to make love spells popular. And one of the first things people think of when they think of spells, they think, you know, love spells. Early uh, other examples of love spells popped up in TV, like the Twilight Zone and Bewitched, just to name a few examples of that in TV. For music examples, we have Love Potion Number no. 9. That was in 1959 cover uh, song by The Clovers. I Put a Spell on You uh, was by Screamin' Jay Hawkins in 1956. And this one, everybody... <laughs> I love this song, and when I first heard it, you know, way back in the day, um, I didn't even think about it being a love potion song, but Tone Loke's Funky Cold Medina is all about a love a love potion and a love spell. But in my, in my opinion, I think movies, like, have propelled. Movies and TV have propelled witchcraft and love spells into pop culture more than anything. Um, Some of those uh, instances or examples are Love Potion number nine, Charmed, Practical Magic, The Craft, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just for, just to name a couple. And this is funny. I found one. (laughs) There's a whole My Little Pony episode um, that focuses on a love spell, which I find hilarious. Um, and that has created all these little examples in pop culture have created a surge in witchcraft, which is great. And as a result, the popularity of love magic in general. Um, the Most of my DMs, let's just for example, most of my DMs, there's two subjects people want to know about or want a spell for. They want a spell to find love or... Um, to bring a love to you or to make their lover uh, faithful. And the other one is uh, money magic. Those are the two things that are like the big things that are in my um, DMs. And those are the things that I see on TV and movies a lot uh, is money magic, love magic. Those are great topics to make movies about. I mean, really. So the next thing I do want to talk about, and a lot of movies leave this out, is consent. Consent in love magic. Um, and in some movies they in shows, they definitely show that it could be, you know, have negative effects. But I, w- I want to talk about consent. And before I want to talk about it, I want to say 
I'm on the side of thinking that each person's magical practice is your own. Um, they like your practice is a blend of your goals, your morals, beliefs, and culture. And who am I to say not to do something? Okay, so. I'm not going to tell you not to do love magic because that's your practice. If you want to do it, do it. Um, and I'm not going to tell you to do it if you're against it. It's This is just information. So I'm going to present some pros and cons to love spells with and without consent. And you can make your own decisions. I just thought this is something really important that I should touch on, especially if you're a new practitioner or if you've never really dove into love magic and you just kind of want something to chew on for a little bit. (laughs) So some witches have a basic rule that they don't do spells on others without their consent. Some don't. And then there's those who are in the middle somewhere. So let's go with the subject of having consent. For my relationship with my husband, we have a blanket consent for spells and rituals as long as it is for our combined highest good. That means I don't do spells on him to like make me make him want to buy me shit or change his belief systems or his morals. Those are his and I'm not going to affect those. Those are his free will. Some examples of spells that we deem okay are like confidence spells if he's going through something, a money spell for our financial well-being, health, and wellness spells, and there's a whole bunch of others like that. Um, Also, just a general um, endurance spell for love. So that example would be like a a little spell bag under his pillow that had like um, rose and lavender and um, carnelian for passion and rose quartz for romantic love that kind of thing we both have those under it actually it's under my under our bed but that kind of thing just to promote that kind of energy in our bedroom that is something that we both consent to is to have that in our room Um, the benefits of consent is that the target has the same intentions and that just helps strengthen your spells. Another benefit of having consent would be that you don't have that emotional or I don't even know how to, how to word it, but there's going to be a block in there somewhere because you're going to have the, a doubt. Some kind of doubt is going to creep in if you're doing a lot of times it's going to creep in if you're doing a love spell on a target you don't have consent from. So you're going to have that like, is this going to work? Do they really want this? What if they don't want this? All those human um, thoughts are going to go through your head. Now, if you have consent, they're not there because you know the person is consenting to what you're doing. I hope that makes sense. Another benefit is that you can plan it. You can plan um, with the both of you. You can plan um, the right moon phase or planetary alignment that you that you are looking for. Planning has a lot to do or has a lot to do with the success of spells. And if you have consent, you can both participate in the planning of it. You can both actually participate in the spell. You can be there in the same room together, um, and that only intensifies the power and the success of spells. And I just thought of an example <laughs> for when you don't have when you don't have consent and you do a love spell. Does everybody remember in Practical Magic when Sandra Bullock does the spell when she's a kid to bring the perfect man to her because she doesn't want, she knows the perfect man doesn't exist or something like that, whatever. She puts this love spell out there and then this person comes to her and is exactly 
how she described in her spell as a child. And now that little, she loves this man, but there's that self-doubt and they're like, oh my gosh, I did a spell on him. I did a spell on him. He doesn't really love me. He did, I did a spell on him. So there's going to be that kind of aspect that's a great example of what happens when you don't get consent and then you do end up falling in love with each other. That little bit of doubt, like, is it real or did it, did it just happen because of magic? So that's, that's another example of not having consent. Um, also, spells with consent are less likely to bite you in the ass. So some witches and people have wards and protection up that bounce spells back at you, like a return to sender spell. Um, and those can really suck <laughs> um, if you're if you are getting that back at you. Usually, most of those return to sender spells return return a a smack in the butt or, you know, a slap on the wrist that's three times worse or more. So if somebody's any spell comes at me, it's coming back at them with very specific um, repercussions. So if you are doing a spell on somebody that practices witchcraft and they do not have, you do not have their consent, I, that's one of the things that you're gonna have to be ready for. Do they have a return to sender ward type thing set up? Um, Yeah. Other cons is that not getting consent can be a danger to the target as well. If it is a love spell, you run the risk of affecting their free will. It, it really does. Um, if they are in love with another person and you do a love spell to turn that relationship sour and direct their love to you, this changes more than a few life trajectories. Because this person was in love, in love with someone else and you changed their free will, some of those consequences could be that their love now directed at you is going to be fleeting, um, will fade fast, or they will turn against you or could turn against you if they find out you did a love spell and you will most likely have some doubt and guilt related to the relationship anyway, like I mentioned before, because it didn't start out, uh, the relationship didn't start out organically. Um, and I'm not saying these things to turn you away from love magic. I'm just giving you the information you do with it what you want. There are definitely instances that I can see consent could, should be pushed aside though. So I'm going to give you a totally made up example. My sister is fine. <laughs> but if my sister was in an abusive relationship and refused to leave and professed her love to him and her life or my niece's life was in danger, I would not hesitate to intervene magically if all the mundane things were failing her. Um, a love spell to turn her sour to her partner to see his true self would be one I'd consider. Um, there are some spicy other kinds of magic I definitely use on her abuser, but this is not that episode to discuss. <laughs> um, this is just a tip of the iceberg on the subject of consent in witchcraft, but it is a start and something that you can think about as it pertains to your own practice. And nobody is saying that you have to have an opinion, a very firm opinion on this right now. This is something that can change and evolve throughout your witchcraft practice. It can change as you add deities to your practice or or change your beliefs altogether. It's something that is fluid, I believe, um, but to each their own. So let's talk about some common spell ingredients or items used for love magic. So a lot, if you just Google love magic or love spells, you're going to see charms, spell bags, or mojo bags as sometimes they're referred to. I choose spell bags as the word because I feel like mojo is pointing to a specific practice. Um, candle magic is also popular. Um, some items, body fluid and hair are some very common items that I see in love spells. 
For example, if you have their hair, your target's hair, you can make that part of the spell to represent them in a spell bag to attract them to you. Some folk magic spells are grinding up your fingernails and hair and bodily fluids and adding that mixture <laughs> to your target's tea, coffee, food, whatever, to attract them to you. Um, we see this example in the movie Midsummer when the maiden puts her pubic hair and menstrual blood in a man's drink to make him lust for her, which ends in a very strange sex ritual <laughs> as a result of the spell. And if you haven't seen this movie, um, I'm going to give a little spoiler, spoiler um, alert here. So like fast forward, you know, 10 or 15 seconds. Anyway, so one of the consequences of said love spell, when he has sex with her, um, his girlfriend finds out and sees this whole thing happening and is really fucking pissed. And um, she ends up like being able to see him burnt alive. And I don't know what is the perfect example. <laughs> like I would never, I'm not condoning violence, please, violence, please do not burn people that, that um, cheat on you. But in a movie setting, to me, it was quite satisfying. My husband on the other way, on the other hand, he was watching this whole movie like, what the fuck am I even watching? I find it highly, I found it highly entertaining. I loved the movie. It was definitely gory and weird at some points, but I thought it was a great example of what can happen if you uh, do a love spell or if you fall victim to a love spell. <laughs> Maybe you get paralyzed in a bear suit and burned alive. Just saying. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> um, binding someone to you is another ritual that can be done with candles and the optional addition of a picture. Uh, of your target to this ritual. I'm not going to go into details with this, but I wanted to bring that subject up so that you are aware that it is a spell people do. You decide for yourself if it like vibes with your ethics uh, of your practice or not. So I want to talk about some spell ingredients some more. So chocolate is something that is like shoved down our throats by retail companies uh, for Valentine's Day. Like I've been seeing Valentine's shit in stores since December. It's ridiculous. Dude, I love chocolate, chocolate, but really, can we just have one holiday at a time? Anyway, so uh, uh, chocolate is often thought of as an aphrodisiac and honestly for good reason. So chocolate contains both serotonin and um, phenolethamine. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, they're both mood elevators. It makes you, uh, pumps a little energy into your system um, for that special night. <laughs> Flowers such as rose, jasmine, and especially damiana. You'll see uh, damiana or tenera, tenera diffusa is the the real name of it. But anyway, you're going to find that in love spells, especially ones connected with Lilith. I have, uh, I bought some, ab some absolute of the Damiana flower and it smells so damn good. So good that I had to get seeds and start to grow my own. I cannot wait until they get big and bloom and I can have a big like bunch of them outside my window in my bedroom. I thought that would be a nice touch for some bedroom magic. Have a little bit of um, aromatic stuff going on this spring and summer. Um, I also have some jasmine um, that is uh, growing right now inside that I plan on planting outside my window as well of my bedroom. <laughs> 
When we think about colors for love magic, you know, the Valentine stuff, we obviously think shades of pink and red. Red being um, often used for lust and passion spells. Um, wearing an oil to attract love, passion, and desire is also very common. You'll see different varieties in shops for this, but I do recommend making your own if you have the means to do so. Um, find what oils that make you feel sexy and passionate and powerful. When you feel that way, you're emanating that to others and that makes you like just that energy of you feeling you know your damn sexy self is going to attract people in general <laughs> for me that's sandalwood blended with some other oils that i love um it makes for an amazing date night scent sure to end up in the bedroom <laughs> Um, you can charge your oil blend in a bed of rose quartz, carnelian, and other crystals and herbs that represent your intention, whether it be love or lust or both. Wearing a charm in the form of jewelry is another way to do love magic. You can spell a piece of jewelry for you to wear to open up your heart to love, to bring love to you, to bring you sexual, sexual, why can't I say sexual today without like slurring it? Satisfaction, sexual satisfaction. <laughs> or instill faith, faithfulness in a partner. You can also charm a piece of jewelry for, for your partner or for your target, making it a charm for them to feel attracted and love you. So I know there's ethics involved with that, but you decide what you want to do. I thought I would just kind of mention some of the stuff that I do in my own relationship and home um, for love magic and lust magic as well. So I already mentioned the little spell bags that are under our bed. Those are for lust, desire, um, romance, all of the things that I want in my bedroom, that we want in our bedroom. We want all of those things present. Throughout the house, I have next to where we sit, like we have spots. You know, we everyone has like a favorite seat in the house, a favorite spot um, to watch TV. So by that, I have um, spell bags underneath our um, chairs and things like that, that are rose quartz, something to make us feel peaceful and kind of cuddly in 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 our you know time we get to spend with each other in the afternoons so I have like rose quartz I have some amethyst just to add that little peaceful feeling to it um I have what else oh I have some orange calcite just to light up our sacral chakras in a gentle kind of way I feel like that's a really if you want it a little more gentle, I, I do love orange calcite. If you want a pop of passion, like a like just a punch of that stuff, carnelian is amazing for desire. But for the living room, I just want a general feel of peace and love and romance and playfulness. And for playfulness, I really, really love having a little citrine in there, some yellow... Uh, appetite stuff that kind of raises that solar plexus energy as well but not a ton just a gentle overall feeling I like that feeling in my home um I also really like uh, crystals that allow us to speak our desires and needs to each other so in our bedroom I also have some blue appetite sitting by our bed just to promote that feeling that we can speak our truth. We Our throat chakras are open. And while you're in bed, you can say, I would love you to do this, that, or whatever. Um, I think that is an important part of a relationship. And love magic is to be able to say what we feel and what we need. 
I love to use kitchen magic. <laughs> so if I am feeling like if we're going to have a date night or if we have a specific night for sexy times, um, I usually cook with something that's going to promote that kind of feeling. So I am going to cook with a dessert or maybe a drink with some cinnamon in it, maybe a little nutmeg just to fire up that sacral chakra and the sensual feelings. I'm also going to use um, in my main dish. I love to use things like spicy stuff. You know, that doesn't always play well in the bathroom <laughs> before bedtime, you know, before the sexy times. But I like to include stuff that will spice up our bedroom uh, feelings or that energy. So think red pepper. For me, it's red pepper, um, turmeric, anything that I, I love curry and have that like intention that while I'm cooking the curry, if it's a little spicy, this is going to promote spicy emotions for each other, desire and passion. So whatever you're cooking, if you don't have the ingredients that you feel you need, you can always just with the intention while you cook, be like, I'm stirring this with the intention that as we eat this beautiful food, um, our love for each other and desire and lust will also ignite. Things like that are really easy to do and don't take up very much time while you're actually cooking. Another thing that we did is actually a hand fasting. So for our wedding uh, ceremony, we did a hand fasting. This is a um, pagan tradition. Uh, I'm not going to like pin it down to any particular path, but we felt we wanted a hand fasting because we don't believe, we are, neither one of us um, are Christians. We don't believe in all that, um, but we wanted a sacred ceremony to like bind us to each other. And essentially that is what a hand fasting is. You're literally taking a cord that's been braided to represent you both and uh, wrapping it around each of you during the ceremony, your, your, your hands. Something else that I, I do is like I mentioned before, I have a specific oil that I use um, when I am wanting the sexy times. <laughs> I put this oil on. It makes me feel empowered. And he can read that energy as soon as he walks in the door. He's like, ooh. Also, he has associated um, that smell with the sexy times. <laughs> so if he smells that, he doesn't even have to ask me if that's what I want to do later. He just is like, oh, I smell that. Yay. <laughs> um, so you may want to try that. <laughs> It's a great way to not have to say it, especially if you're not um, feeling confident enough to actually ask for what you want. You can wear that oil and eventually they're, they're going to associate that with the sexy times. And another thing that I do is everybody has downtimes in your relationship, especially if you've been together very, you know, very long at all. Um, what is this? Eight years for us? So there are times where I'm like, God, you're annoying the shit out of me. And there's like no romance feelings. I mean, I love him, but I'm like, you know, we've been in quarantine. I've been in quarantine forever. So uh, it seems like. <laughs> so you get on each other's nerves. A lot of the, you know, the little things that you do for each other, like hold your hand or, you know, cuddle. Those kind of things 
fall by the wayside when you're in like a a dip. I call it a dip, just a dip. It's going to come back up. But anyway, I will clear my home and use energy, uh, smoke clearing and smoke magic to help elevate those feelings of love and raise to that vibration of your heart chakra. So what I mean by that is I love to burn rose, um, jasmine flowers, lavender buds. I will diffuse oils um, that are, that promote love and romance and, and connection. So again, rose absolute, jasmine, um, what else do I have? The Damiana oil smells amazing. I love to to do that. And also frankincense. I don't like to mix frankincense with those in particular because it smells funny, but frankincense is a great all together kind of raise the vibe um, oil if you do have that. And I just want to preface all the oil stuff. Be careful if you have pets. Make sure you do your research on which oils are safe to diffuse if you have uh, certain pets. So look it up before you before you diffuse it if that's what thing you want to do. So all of those things help integrate my magical practice into our romance, like our relationship. Um, and it makes me feel connected to my magic. Um, and it helps connect all of the parts of who I am and what I experience to my magical practice. So our relationship, our love, our lust, our desire, our financial well-being, our safety, our wellness, everything that is our mundane life to me is connected to my magical life and that makes my life better. I This is just my way of doing things but having that all connected makes me feel empowered and confident. Um, I don't always feel confident and empowered but having my practice to lean on when I'm feeling less than is priceless to me. And I would be remiss if I did not mention sex magic. Um, Sex magic is a powerful way to create love magic. But I have a whole episode for sex magic later. I just wanted to throw it out there that sex magic is a real thing. Um, And I also want to say that there are many closed practices that have love magic, lust, um, all that good good kind of magic. Um, that we're talking about today and I have not spoken of them in this episode because they're closed practices and I'd prefer someone that practices these specific paths to speak on it rather than just me regurgitating information about their practice when I have no actual personal reference um, to speak about it. Um, So if you are interested in a specific path, a specific uh, practice, you can DM me or email me or whatever, and I will try to find a practitioner that is part of that close practice for you to connect with. I wanted to throw that out there because I am not knowledgeable in all of the paths. Just my own is is the one that I can speak uh, experience from. So I'm not saying that any of these other things or close practices um, aren't interesting or that they aren't worthy of an episode because they totally are. I just, I'm not a member of those practices and I don't feel like it would be right for me to sit here and talk about their practice like it's my own. So DM me if you want to know about a particular one. I just want to throw that out there. DM me and I will do my best to find somebody that can actually speak from experience to you about these practices. What I can speak on is the next thing. Let's talk about petitioning a deity for assistance in carrying out your love spells, lust, lust or faithfulness spells, whatever it is. Um, I think we should talk about it. 
So there are deities that are pretty popular for lit for this. I'm just going to name a couple. It's like Aphrodite, Eros, and Cupid are some you're going to see a lot associated with love and lust and, and love magic. Um, and there's nothing wrong with working with them. I don't, I want to say that because they're popular, they're not valid. They're totally valid. Um, but if you do have a deity that you work with and you have a deep relationship with, there's nothing that prohibits you from petitioning their help in love magic, even if their main, you know, correspondences are not love magic. Um, if you have a beautiful relationship with a deity um, and you add them to your love magic, that creates a very potent um, aspect to your practice, especially if you have a very strong relationship with that deity. All too often I see on social media and different platforms people saying, you know, I need a deity to, to help me with XYZ. I already work with this one, but they're not usually uh, an expert or known for being an expert in, let's just say, love magic. Um, who do I work with? Well, if you already have a deity that you work with and that you have an established trust with, I would go with that deity um, instead of just picking a random one out of the air to work with that is, you know, according to social media and some books, most popular for love magic or whatever intention that you are trying to get at. Um, that'd be like, to me, knowing I have an amazing tattoo artist that's done like four amazing tattoos for me that are beyond my expectations and we have a trust and a mutual rapport and instead I was like I want to get this beautiful big tattoo I'm going to choose a random um, tattoo artist from the phone book because they're listed in the phone book that was a really outdated example because I used the word phone book but replace that with like google <laughs> so I would be choosing a random person that I have no relationship with, no trust with, and no experience with over somebody that I already work, work with all the time. Um, that may not be the best example, but this is the only one that could come to my head at the moment. <laughs> so um, work with people you trust. You work with deities you trust. Um, I think rapport and experience trump any kind of uh any kind of reference from online or book that you can read uh, about a particular deity. So I'll get off that soapbox now. I really hope that this episode gave you something to chew on for a bit. Um, I wanted you to hear about a little bit of the history so that you knew that love magic is a thing and it's been a thing in, uh, in humanity, in the existence of humans for a very, very long time. Love is the most prevalent theme in so many things. Love can spark a war. <laughs> it can make um, your life amazing or make your life shitty. It can do so many things to us as humans. There's no wonder that love magic is super popular. There was a little appearance, uh, a little cameo of Pablo barking in the background. So <laughs> he says, hey. I thought I would drop a little hint. I know I mentioned probably mid-January on my Instagram page that I would be revealing a new offering that I will be um, offering <laughs> you guys. Um, so I thought I'd drop a little hint here as to what it is. So part of what I will be offering will assist you in recognizing blocks in your practice. 
That's all I'm going to give you right now. But I am really excited about this. It's taking me like six months to get this all organized how I want it. And the timing has to be perfect for me. And I'm not ready to release it yet. But I thought I would let a little, little hint slip this episode. And that's all I've got for you this week. So until next time, stay witchy. Bye-bye.